So the last time the Chicago Bears played in Cleveland, it was one of the most, uh, gosh, what is it, negligent coaching mistakes of all time? I mean, just leaving Justin Fields out there just on his own with no protection, no game plan, no nothing. And I think ultimately that's what cost Matt Nagy his job is that Cleveland game because it was inexcusable. It was one of the worst games that I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a lot of bad Bears football in my life. And to the point now, I saw somebody online today talking about like, well, the last time the Bears were here, Miles Garrett had 50 sacks in a game. I'm like, whatever. Like, hey, um, I don't I don't want to tell you this, but uh Matt Nagy's no longer the coach here. So I just hope that Matt Eberflus has a game plan in a way. Oh gosh, Gutsky's he's gonna throw 90 screens, isn't he? Anyways. Huge game for the Bears this week. Let's get ready to talk about it. So, Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank, an opportunity to get you ready for a big night of sports. Some of my favorite sports happen on Wednesday night. We're going to have AEW Dynamite coming up in about an hour. We got the challenge, an all-new challenge tonight. Who is it going to be? Is Johnny Bananas going to come in? Is it CT? Who knows? And then, uh, of course, uh, we have the Tape Never Lies Network. We'll be kicking off in an hour and a half. But happy that you're all joining us here this evening to talk about a big game this week for the Chicago Bears. You know, you look at the Bears. They finally notched the back-to-back games and the back-to-back wins under Matt Eberflus. And now they've got possibly their toughest test at least their toughest test for the remainder of the season, going on the road in a hostile environment, a place where Cleveland has played very well this season, uh, of course, facing the Brown. And here joining us, as always, to talk about it from FoxSports.com, it's Carmen Vitale. Uh, Tough weekend for you. Normally, when you go to Las Vegas, it's a joyous occasion. Uh, That that couldn't have been fun, being in the press box for that Vikings and uh, Raiders contest, I guess is that the way to put it? Honestly, you know what? I grew up in Chicago. I have a very strong appreciation for defense. So yeah. I, I, I I, probably took more than most did from that game in Vegas between the Raiders and the Vikings. It was an absolutely beautiful performance from Brian Flores' defense. And I mean, the Raiders too. Max Crosby is just an animal. Yeah. He's absolutely insane. And so I appreciated that aspect of it. But yeah, the lack of scoring and, and rhythm. And I mean... It was, it was, it was one for the ages, man. You know, if you were, uh, if you're thinking about the bears scoring 12 points on that Vikings defense in comparison to what the Raiders did, I mean, that made, that made the bears offense look like Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf from 99. I'm sure that your bar should be the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> I don't know, but Hey, listen, uh, listen, it's a good defense. I, you know what? I think we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of bad football lately. Like there's been a lot of like 12, nothing games, a six, nothing game, three, zero game. What was it? The wild, the wild and the Kraken were three, nothing the same evening. So there's been a lot of, 
a lot of defense, a lot of bad football going around. And of course, this week, the Chicago Bears will be playing one of the best defensive teams in the league with the Cleveland Browns. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a few things about your latest piece on FoxSports.com. Actually, you've got a couple of uh, pieces. You did write about the Packers, which must have hurt you having to write about the Packers losing a game that I told you was going to happen. Uh, but let's focus in on the Bears. Um, you did write about this. You're talking about the um, the Bears and their rebuilding process, and you wrote, and I quote, Chicago has quietly built a solid roster, and the defense finally looks like it has a defensive-minded head coach. And so I guess my question to you is, is that enough for Matt Eberflus right now to make his case to remain in Chicago? Now, you've remained steadfast. You've always said that it was going to be very difficult to remove Matt Eberflus especially with a team that traditionally does not like to get rid of coaches with years remaining. Do you feel that over the last couple of weeks that, that Eberflus has kind of cemented himself as the head coach of the Chicago bears in 2024? I'm not going to go so far as to say cemented, but yeah, I still feel confident in the fact that they're going to retain Matt Eberflus, not only because the defense has taken a tangible step forward, but also because, and, and all the things you just mentioned as well with, with not wanting to pay coaches that aren't coaching for you and all that kind of stuff. But also because I believe Ryan Pauls and Matt Eberflus sold Bears ownership on a three-year process of a rebuild. What is this is this is expected? This is also in that article. This is right on time as far yeah. as the Bears rebuilding process is going. It took a little while longer than you probably wanted it to within this season. But I think at the ultimately at the end of the second season under Matt Eberflus, this defense is going to look drastically different from what it did in year one and have an upward trajectory with a bunch of talent on that side of the ball. And that's all you wanted to see out of the second season. There was no thought necessarily of contending for a Super Bowl this year. I think everyone agreed on that prior to the season. And this was still part of the rebuild process. So they want to let Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus play this thing out. And I think that if there's no more tangible step forward on that side of the ball, Next year, now you're talking, even if it's only halfway through next season, now I think you're you're kind of in fair territory of letting him go, though the McCaskies have not shown, uh, have not never done that before in season. But I'm 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 still pretty confident that Matty Rupus will be the coach of this team next year. And they're five and eight right now. And you look at a couple of games, Tyler, you know, was on the show Tuesday talking about talking about, you know, two games that stick out to him week one against Green Bay and the loss against Detroit a couple of weeks ago had, and I, I understand where Tyler's coming from with that Green Bay game. Cause I was horrific just from a historical sense, but it's like, we weren't even competitive in that game. The one that we should be upset about is the Broncos game. Like that should have been one. If you figure they hold on against the Broncos, if they hold on against the, the, uh, the lions a couple of weeks ago, now they're seven and six and they would be in the number seven seed uh, for the for the playoffs. So I think that there is something to be said about this team finally turning it around. But going back to the defense, Yannick Ngakwe uh, is on the IR. Uh, how big of a loss of this is it for the Bears defense? There's certainly the potential for a domino effect, losing a guy like Yannick Ngakwe because he did provide that bookend to Montez Sweat. Whereas when Montez Sweat is commanding all this attention, Unique Ngakwe can kind of take advantage of that. But he's not the only one that has been able to take advantage of Montez Sweat's arrival. You see that from the interior of the defensive line too. Justin yeah. Jones, Andrew Billings, these guys have gotten 
more, they've gotten more sacks. They've gotten more pressures. They've been more productive. Linebackers, the linebackers have been more product, productive. The, the defensive backfield has been more productive since Montez Sweat's arrival. So Unique Ngakwe is a beneficiary, but he's not a cause. And I think yeah. that that is the differentiator between how big of a loss this is. Is it going to be a loss? Of course it is. He's a good player. And again, he was responsible for pressures and sacks that the Bears have now gotten used to getting the last few games. But I don't think it's catastrophic like it would be if Montez Sweat were to be injured. Yeah, that's been one of the Not things. No, no, no. But you don't want to lose good players. But at the same time, it's like you said, it, it, who, is the, who is the person? Who is the, star, who is the straw who stirs the drink? And of course, it's Montez Sweat. And he's made a huge impact all the way around, not only on in Gakwe, uh, but also all the players and all levels of the defense, especially the secondary and everything like that. So it'll be interesting. And they got, you know, it's interesting too, because they're going up against Joe Flacco and the Browns. Is it wrong to say, and I'm sorry to just kind of throw, throw this out there. I kind of feel like Joe Flacco. I think, I think, I think Joe Flacco is better than the quarterback than they wanted to start the season with. And I know that's probably a hot take, but I, I think they're better off with Joe Flacco than the other guy that they were going to go with. I'm totally with you. I mean, I I made no secret about the fact that I am not a Deshaun Watson fan um, for various reasons. But have you seen the meme going around TikTok about Joe Flacco? And it's like various quarterbacks shaking hands with each other. And it's like the transitive quarterback property of like various quarterbacks warning one guy so in this case i just saw one with justin fields and it's like all these quarterback handshakes with justin fields being like watch out he's coming he said that you're next on his list yada 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 and then the last slide is just <laughs> so good it is so good and so uh, good we'll uh well, so good I will, i'll be interested because uh we're gonna get an opportunity to talk with andy mac namara of the sick podcast Cleveland this week. So I want to get his take on that. Cause I think from further, from an outsider's perspective, there's some of us who are like, Hey, you know, I think you're better off with Joe Flacco. It'll be interesting to see how a Cleveland insider feels about that. Mm-hmm. So take a look uh, this coming uh, the, over the next couple of days, a sick podcast collab with uh, the sick podcast Cleveland. So I'll ask him about that. We'll see what he says. I'm interested to find out uh, on the other side. Uh, Cause you did write the other side of the football has dra- the other side of the ball has dramatically improved uh, since last season as well. The offensive line is no longer one of the worst in the league. It's not even bottom third anymore. Is this the biggest turnaround to the uh, to the Bears' offense? Because the offensive line has looked legit. Yeah, especially when you consider the eye test, because obviously offensive line stats aren't very quantitative. There's not a lot of ways to quantify offensive line play, but rather than just watching what you're seeing and what you're seeing is a unit that is now playing cohesively. They have some continuity. They know who is where, who's playing next to them, and that is manifesting itself in better run performances, in, in, in holding the pocket longer and pass blocking better. I mean, the Bears rank 19th or 20th at this point in pass blocking as far as PFF grades go. So that that is what you wanted to see because that is what makes the offensive engine go. I'm a trench girl, you know that. Everyone course, knows that at this point. Everything starts that. up front. And that's and so I here's the thing. There are no more excuses on the offensive side of the ball anymore. They have the offensive line that is passable. I'm not saying it's the best offensive line in football by any stretch of right. the imagination, but it is serviceable. You have good skill players. You have good blockers. You've got a running back by committee that keeps guys fresh and has some versatile pieces into it that you can get creative with. 
this offense is is fine. It's good. It's much more improved than last year, and it certainly seems like they are trying to find an offensive identity, but I think that there are still some things that are at odds, whether that's between the coaching and the quarterback or what have you, that it's not as good as it could be, but the talent is there, is the point. Yeah, what about, speaking of the talent, have we seen enough from Justin Fields, and if not, I know that you said that he's still somewhat inconsistent. What more does he have to do over the next four games? Like, what is it that he can do that would be like, okay, we're good. Cause like for me personally, like I've, I've personally seen enough. I'm like, if we're on star search, star search, if we're on uh, America's got talent or something like that, I'm already voting. Like I'm passing him to the next level. I understand there's some people who don't quite feel that way. What is it that he needs to do over the next four weeks that would entrench him as the, as the quarterback of the bears? This is not going to win me any favors. If the decision's not made by now, Justin Fields is not the quarterback in 2024. That's my thing. Because what did you want to see out of Justin Fields from the from the from the very beginning of the season? Both of us said it. He said it. He needs you need to see consistency. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I haven't. You say you have. Well, I have not. What is okay outside of um, obviously the game against Minnesota? He didn't play very well, but they still went out and won the football game. Like I, I'm looking at big games. Like he had big games. He had the four touchdown passes against Denver, against Washington. We know he can do that. He dominated Detroit in both games that he played against them. So that was fine. Uh, Minnesota, like this happens. Like we've seen quarterbacks struggle uh, across the league. Like every quarterback has their moments where it's like, God, what's wrong with him? Josh Allen this season. People have questioned him. He's made way too many turnovers. It's, I think it's fair for a quarterback to have a bad game, but I think that ultimately Justin is now showing that, like, you know what, he can play in this league. Is he, though? Because, all right, you have the two games where he scores four touchdowns. Outside of those two games, Justin hasn't passed for more than one touchdown in a game. And his averages aren't what I would expect out of a quarterback that is the future of your franchise that you think can elevate the play of those around him and get you to a Super Bowl. I haven't seen that. And I haven't seen a consistent, we, ha- we I just talked about how we haven't seen an identity out of Justin Fields. And we haven't seen an identity out of this offense. And I'm not putting that all on Justin Fields. I think two things can very much be true. This system is not built to help him. And he needs to play better. He needs to show you consistently that he can win games consistently. That's, that's the key factor here is, has he won? Has he led a game-winning field goal drive this season? He absolutely has. Has he thrown for four touchdowns this season? He absolutely has. Is the, do you trust him when the when the game is on the line and you have thirty to forty-five to maybe a full minute on the clock and you need a field goal? Do you trust him to do that? Because I can't say that I do, and I'm afforded kind of a a, a, a more objective. Like I, I watch four different teams very closely. I watch the rest of the league very closely as well. And among the list of quarterbacks that I trust to, win, to lead a game-winning drive, Justin Fields is not in the top 10. He's not in the top 15. He's not even in the top 20 for me. Now, that's, that doesn't speak to his talent level. His talent level is absolutely there. And that's what, like, he's a drug. You're so just enamored with how wonderful he can be. But at the same time, if he doesn't show up consistently, then it doesn't matter who you have around him, what the system is, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it, he's not elevating people around him. And that's what you want to see out of a franchise quarterback that I'm going to give 
40 to $50 million to. That's again, that's my barometer too, is, is he worth 40 to $50 million right now? And I, would, I, I can't say that he is. I would push back because I understand that he didn't throw for two touchdowns against Detroit. He ran a touchdown in, so he still accounted for two touchdowns on his own, whether he's throwing them, whether he's not one of those was, and then DJ Moore takes a handoff that that play doesn't work. If Justin Fields isn't your quarterback, like if you don't have a quarterback who is a running threat, that DJ Moore play doesn't happen. It just doesn't. And so I, and even if I'm pushing it with that one, I still think like there he is, he's accounting for three touchdowns. He's turning it around. And speaking of what DJ Moore is having the best season of his career because of Justin Fields and in that game against Detroit, Darnell Mooney, who I love and think the world of did not have a great game and had way too many drops to the point of like, what is wrong with Darnell Mooney? Like he is not having a great game. And so for me, I look at it this way and you're, you're talking about a rebuild. And if you're giving Matt Eberflus an opportunity to come back, because like we've seen enough out of Matt Eberflus, I think Justin deserves that same level of not respect, but that same, that same curve that you're working with. Because again, you go back to last season, you know, there were a lot of people who are like, well, why don't the bears just reset the quarterback clock and take Bryce young. And if that were the case, you would have Bryce young, but you would not have DJ Moore, You would not have Darnell, Wright, And you would not have the first overall pick this season. And I think it just shows you like, why not bring in more talent? If we're still rebuilding this team and the rebuild is supposed to be delivered in 2024, why wouldn't you go out there and get Marvin Harrison jr fool around with the other pick and try to get some more players around him? Because I think that if you do put more players around Justin Fields, that we're, he's going to take that next step. And if it's Luke Getzey's not able to get that and get the most out of it, then maybe Luke Getzey's got to go. But for me, I would rather go with Justin Fields because I think that we've, I, I personally have seen enough. I've seen him throw the ball. I've seen him go out there and make plays. And uh, of course, this team needs to put it together. They need to be more consistent. But like you said, we're not worried so much about wins and losses right now. Is this team getting better? You even said the offense is getting better. I did. I said the talent has gotten better. And again, I was very intentional with how I framed the what they did this offseason offensively in that they got rid of Justin Fields excuses. So that's yeah. why I'm like, why are we still making excuses? You were like, I don't think Justin has taken the next step. I don't cool. see a huge difference from him this year and last. And even if everything were to have stayed the same, if you were to have not brought in Nate Davis, not brought in DJ Moore, not drafted even Darnell Wright. In his second year in the system, we talked about it at the beginning of the season. This is when Justin Fields is going to put it all together because he has experience in this system and now he has the people around him. But even if he didn't have the people around him, you should still see a tangible step forward. And yeah. I haven't seen it because my, my tangible step forward is consistency and trust. And I don't have that in Justin Fields. And I know he missed a lot of games with, with injury. That's not his fault. And again, I'm not knocking his talent level, but... Until you show me consistently that you've taken that next step forward, you haven't to me. And I that's thought, I, why. But I think that he has. He's not throwing turnovers. I mean, like, if you look at his statistics, like his passer he's rating. Fumbling. If you he's fumbling. He, 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 he had two fumbles against the Vikings. He had two fumbles even. Yes. And then you you talk about if he if you're going to account for his touchdowns that he runs for, which is amazing. And it's great. And it's it's a, it's, it lets you, it opens up your offense. Then you have to account for the fact that he's, he's been fumbling the ball too. And he's not, he's not turn or uh, turnover prone. He's not turnover averse at this well, point. He hasn't thrown a pick in three games. 
in so three, not, okay, in three games. That's that, but that's, but his, that's but getting his, better. But his interception ratio, because if you because because you it's, can't you can't look at his stats. It's better, but it's better than Mahomes and Josh Allen this year. I, his touchdown interception better than I don't care if it's better than Mahomes <laughs> and Josh Allen. It's like that's pretty good. Okay, but look at what Mahomes and Josh Allen are able to do, and also look at what they've done already. He, they get the benefit of the doubt. Justin Fields doesn't get the benefit of the doubt right now. He's still learning, and that's why. Like, okay. Do you think that Justin Fields has helped those around him more than they've helped him? Because we always have these conversations about the Bears offense needs to help Justin more. His skill players need to help Justin more. His coaches need to help Justin more. What has Justin done to elevate those around him? But I, okay. Well, first of all, I think statistically DJ Moore has had the best season of his career, which is great. He also but had I, like one of the most yak yards in the league, or he's got one of the, the most, the biggest yak totals. I mean, so that's him. But he that's was, him. He, but he was still him when he was in Carolina, and he wasn't making those plays like he's doing right now. And again, like, but it you see, like, with a lot of these quarterbacks, when you take away, I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes take a step back, even with Tua Tagovailoa, when Tyreek Hill is not on the field, looks like a, a vastly different quarterback. So I just feel like we're putting an unfair lens onto Justin Fields, who is still working through it. Again, we're talking about a team that's rebuilding, that's being delivered in 2024. I'm seeing this. I see the process. I I felt like the game against Washington, when you wanted to see Justin be able to make a big throw, like make a big-time throw to seal a game or win a game. He did that against Washington. We wanted to see him rally his team in a game that perhaps he wasn't playing his best. He did that. And now even this game uh, against Detroit, there were a couple of plays where there were a couple of throws where you're like, oh my Lord, that was close, but he's making the throws. He's looking more decisive. He's, you know, I, I feel like he's making progressions better. I just feel like he's getting better as a quarterback. And I think that as time goes on, it's going to do it to the point of like, I don't want to reset, but I don't want to keep restarting. Like this is the problem with the Chicago bears is that they reset way too much. I don't think that we've seen, I don't think there's enough evidence that's shown like Justin Fields can't play. Like it's almost guilty, like innocent until proven guilty. Like I, I, I don't want to hit the reset button. If we're on this rebuild, that's supposed to be delivered in 2024. I think that he deserves a, more opportunity to go out there and prove it. I don't think you have the luxury of that time though, at this point, because last year you can make that argument for sure, because he's only in his second year and you're, you're not due for his fifth year option, which is going to be anywhere between 20 and 25 million on top of then having to sign him to a long-term deal, which is going to be between 40 and 50. You're now a year closer to that. And also I don't see the issue necessarily with resetting when you have the opportunities you have in front of you, hopefully after 2024, you're not going to have the, you're not going to have an out. Because you're not going to finish with one of the top picks. You're not going to have the luxury of that because this rebuild is going to be further along. And if you can reset the clock on a quarterback and not have to pay a quarterback, that is such a cheat code in the league. Look at what the 49ers are able to do because they're not paying Brock Purdy anything. I mean, you can put such a good team together that any quarterback, and especially a young and developing quarterback, coming into that situation is going to be set up for success. And that was another part of what I wrote in the article was that the bears are no longer a bad landing spot. Their roster is not a bad roster. And so many of these top quarterbacks are going to go into complete chaos when it comes to what their, their first team in the league, because usually the team that has the top pick in the draft, the top two pick in the draft is, a, is an absolute mess. The bears are not a mess anymore. 
And this rebuild, like I said, is right on schedule. So if you can then get a quarterback that is under team control for five years and you don't have to pay him a, a ton, you can go out and whatever you missed out in those draft picks, if you were to have traded down out of the number one spot, assuming you get it, what do you need? You need an offensive lineman. Fine, go get one in free agency with the money you're saving. You, need, you want another skill player? Go get one of those. You have the money to do that because you're not having to think about allocating it to a quarterback so soon, which is going to be the biggest hit to your salary cap. And that's why I think that in this case, I agree with you that the Bears have tried to start over from scratch too many times. And, and there is you run the risk of still not getting it right. But if you place your trust in Ryan Poles for what he's been able to do so far and in his evaluation of a quarterback, combined with the fact that you have a, such a huge opportunity with the top one or two pick in the draft again, while having a good landing spot, now you can get away with not having to pay a quarterback and just loading the team around him. But then, but, and this is something that the Swift Network, I believe it was, pointed out. Like if, if you drafted Caleb Williams, for instance, then you would probably want to go out there and acquire another big time wide receiver. Well, then you're going to have to pay that guy. Then you're going to have to pay an offensive lineman. Whereas if you stay, obviously Justin's going to get paid. You get a fifth year option. The quarterbacks get paid. Okay. And I'm not saying that, listen, who knows? You could pull an Otani deal and be creative with the way that you finance this thing. You can't be that creative in the NFL. But, <laughs> but if you have Marvin Harrison Jr. on a rookie deal for a long time, an elite-level pass rusher, which you'll probably be able to get with your second pick in the top 10 uh, for a long period of time. Darnell Wright's going to be on a rookie contract for a long period of time. We have a lot of players who are already on rookie deals that are from positions that would normally command a lot of money. So obviously you've got to spend it somewhere. The Bears have done a really nice job of giving themselves a lot of room underneath the salary cap that, you know, having a quarterback under that deal is not going to hurt them as much. Because I think one of the things that's really showing up in Kansas City is that, yeah, obviously Patrick Mahomes is great, but you couldn't pay Tyreek Hill. But if you have Marvin Harrison Jr., you're not going to have to pay him for five years. And so while Justin's out there fully developed, ready to go, this guy is going to be making, you know, the rookie minimum for five years. And I think that, you know, it's just the way that the money gets spread around. I just... I just think that I, I I don't like the risk of it, of like, I don't know, drafting the next Zach Wilson or anything like that, because we, we have no guarantees with Caleb Williams. We have no guarantees with Drake May. And every year we're sold a bill of goods of like, this quarterback's a generational talent. Like, it doesn't always happen. Even Trevor Lawrence has not really been the quarterback that a lot of people have promised. So for me, I'd rather take the known quantity, which I feel is pretty good, and roll with them that way. Well, it just depends on where you want to take the known quantity because you can take the known quantity. Like you, you talk about a risk. Well, you, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is as sure of a thing as you could possibly have. I get that. But like offensive tackle off like, or even center, like I, I, I kind of want a known quantity there. We, yeah. you, you can get a good receiver. I'm not saying you can pay Tyreek Hill money to somebody, but I don't think you need to with DJ Moore. You don't need Tyreek Hill necessarily. You can pay a good receiver and you can pay a good offensive lineman who are both known quantities already for less than you could for one year of a, for, for, than you could for a quarterback, which is going to be Justin Fields in two years is 40 to $50 million. Like one tackle and one receiver do not cost 40 $50 million together. They just don't. And so you, it just depends on a, your team building strategy, what you value and, and if you want to develop these guys, if you have the, the confidence in your staff to develop guys, um, or 
do you want to take the knowns more than the unknowns? And then, yeah, you've got a question mark at quarterback. But again, this is also Ryan Poles choosing his shot or taking his shot and saying, all right, if this doesn't work out, at least it doesn't work out on my terms. I didn't inherit someone and then have to, you know, stake my job on him without being the one that fully evaluated him. I don't know if he was, if, if Justin Fields was Ryan Poles guy when Justin was coming out this way, you live by the sword and you die by it, but at least it's your sword. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you get into another instance of, you know, at least if you stick with Justin Fields for one more year, then you have Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields on the same clock. If you draft Caleb Williams and then you come out like, oh, maybe, maybe Matt Eberflus isn't our coach and you got to fire Matt Eberflus next year, then you're bringing in a new coach with a new system. It's going to be like Matt Nagy all over again. So you might, it's just going to be like a, well, now we're, well then, uh, but what's the, what's the flip side then? Because if you keep, if you keep Justin Fields and then you still have to fire Matt Eberflus after one year, then Justin's starting over. And well, we haven't seen him be able to do that. That's very why, well either. listen, but I've, I've already said, like, I've, I've started to come around on Matt Eberflus. And unless something disastrous happens over the next couple of weeks, unless, unless this game against Cleveland is completely apocalyptic, I'm just going to assume the Bears go out there and play a good game. And then they win, they beat the Cardinals, they beat the Falcons, and then we'll see what happens with the Green Bay Packers. Okay, fine. And then you go into next year and you got Eberflus, you got Justin Fields, you bring in Marvin Harrison Jr., you got a stud at uh, Edge, whatever pick you've got. Boom, there you go. Now, if it doesn't work out the following year, Justin Fields playing on a fifth-year option, all that stuff, Matt Eberflus isn't the coach, then you get rid of everybody. Then Ryan Poles can be like, fine, Eberflus is out, Justin Fields is out. I don't even, I haven't looked ahead to the 2025 NFL draft, but I'm I'm assuming there's going to be a quarterback available, maybe at least one. And then you draft your quarterback there and hire a coach to bring him in. Like I, yeah, but I would rather push paying, that down. Now you're paying Justin $25 million on his fifth year option without then having, still having to have him start over. So like, wait, that's a wash then. Well, if he, if he doesn't work out in 2024, then you could get rid of him. You can walk away from that. You could walk, you, but you can't from the fifth year option because you have to pick it up this off season. Obviously. So now you're locked in, you're locked into his fifth year option to pay him $25 million before you really know if everything's going to work out between him, between Matt Eberflus, between all of that. At least if you have a new guy, you you bought yourself some time because if it doesn't work out in his first year, then maybe you can fix things the next year. And then he still has a couple years to develop under team control. Yeah, but you're still going to have a quarterback. You're going to have one quarter. You would get rid of him at that point. Like if Justin Fields didn't work out in 2024, you would end up trading him, get rid of, getting rid of him some other way of like, Obviously yeah, but you could also you could also trade him high right now. You could trade him higher for for like if he doesn't work out next year, like there is absolutely no trade market for Justin Fields. Are there teams out there that would trade for Justin Fields right now? Yes, probably. Yeah, because he's proven that he can be a quarterback in this league. So if he's proven to other teams that he could be a quarterback in the league, why wouldn't you just keep your guy? There's a, there's a difference between trading a third round pick and between well, him forfeiting a first round pick and a first round pro or a number one overall prospect. That that's well, that's completely different. But Matt, okay, like Sam Darnold went for a second round pick when he was traded to Carolina, and I think that Justin Fields has proven himself more than Sam. I think Darnold that that had. was that was a panic mode. That was a panic mode. We need a guy. I don't. Yeah. And also Carolina is an awful franchise. If the bears, if, if any team made a deal like that, like you can't, you can't count on a team making a team, making a deal like that, like that, uh-huh. that, that organization is overpaid for so much and let go of so much. And they're clearly not, 
not a organization. I don't know. The the Falcons are there. There's other teams that would be willing. I don't know. I think that the Justin's reputation throughout the league, because he's a good quarterback, is high. And I think again, I think it's better to keep him and build around him. And let's roll. Let's see what's going on. And listen, it could it could it could blow up like Danny Dimes, or else it could work out pretty well. I'm willing to take the chance. I think I've seen enough. I've personally seen enough out of Justin Fields. What about the fans? What are the fans thinking, Sammy? Uh, if we got any questions from the crowd, we could take a look. Uh, if we move on from Getsy, we should move on from Fields. Uh, I, you know what? I'm almost. I I I gotta see. I, I I'm still on the fence with with Luke Getsy. I think that they're. We'll see what happens. The way that they attack the Cleveland Browns. We saw against the Minnesota Vikings. I felt they panicked a little bit too much with the screen plays and all that stuff. I think that this is a pretty good opportunity for Luke Getze. Uh, what do you feel? What? Yeah. When we talk about all this, you know, we've been talking about the, the Eberflus and Justin Fields. Where do you land on Luke Getze? Yeah. I mean, if the team does move on from him, like that, you're between a rock and a hard place at this point, because if you move on from him, but you keep Justin, then Justin's entering another system. And again, you're starting over, even though you're not starting over with a head coach, you're starting over with a new offensive system. And I've said it so many times where the bears have to commit to not only Justin Fields, if they're going to do that, but then they have to commit to a system that is going to help him or vice versa. If you move on from Justin, then yeah, like you move on from Getsy, you should move on from Justin too, because it's just, it's, it's, you don't have time with Justin now. You don't have time to install another offense with him and to get him up to speed and then give him the second year. You don't have time for that anymore. He's up against the back end of his contract. And that's another reason why I think that I don't know that Luke Getze has shown me enough in the sense that I don't think that he can tailor his system based on his personnel. And that's plenty of coaches. There are plenty of coaches in the league still that, cannot adjust with the personnel they have available. I don't think that those are the more successful coaches anymore. I think with how sophisticated defenses are now, and I think with how like the crazy fun things that we're seeing, the innovative things we're seeing out of NFL offenses as a result, means that you have to be able to adjust year over year, depending on your personnel, depending on your opponent or your opponents coming up that year. All of that stuff factors in, and I haven't seen enough from Luke Getzey to be able to consistently do that because you see it in the beginning of games, right? You see those first drives where Justin and the offense have been able to go down the field and score. All those are scripted. So Luke Getze knows what it's supposed to look like. That's what that tells me. But then throughout the game that all tapers off and they don't keep up the same trends or the same balance or the same types of plays and like inserting the RPOs, the design runs for the quarterback. You don't see that kept up consistently throughout the rest of the game. And which tells me that he can't call that in real time. And that's an issue. So if you want to move on from Luke Getze, which I think a lot of Bears fans want to, right? it doesn't make sense to keep fields at all because you're just going to have to have him start over on a shorter clock. Yeah, there's a lot of that. and but, but at the same time, I still think like when you look over the NFL, and I know that scoring is down this season as in general, I think when you look around the NFL, there's a lot of – offensive coordinators like i think that most teams fans of every team i think hate their offensive coordinator because they nobody feels like anybody is doing enough and so i i don't want to there are some times though that i watch the bears and there are some plays especially when we got into the red area we're like what are they doing like 
uh, I remember one of the play, like Justin had to throw the ball out of bounds and you're like, what were, what was, what were the routes? Was this, it looked very naggy, like where it looked like everybody was running curls. I'm like, oh my God, not this again. Um, somebody do something, but we are, I, the one thing that I will credit Luke Getze for is what we're seeing a little bit more of is more motion. And Cynthia Freeland was on uh, last week talking about this, about now showing a little bit more motion, being a little bit more sophisticated being uh, throwing more wrinkles out there and getting more sustained stuff. And I thought that, you know, in the second, it's also nice too, because I feel one of the problems with Justin last year was that they weren't winning games. Justin was playing great. And you're like, yeah, but where are the wins? Well, the defense wasn't playing like the defense is playing now. And now we're getting the benefit of a defense that's playing well, that when the, when the bears do run through a little bit of a rut in the second half, like, well, we're not automatically giving up a touchdown. We can kind of hold them off a little bit and then ultimately go out there and make plays. I think to me that has been one of the biggest uh, pleasant surprises uh, so far is that we're seeing a little bit more of the defense kind of helping out the offense a little bit so they don't have to do everything. Uh, what about another – what's our takeaways too. They're giving oh, the offense that. extra chances. chances. I mean, the offense now has more – just has more of a sample size because the defense is getting takeaways. And when you consider that, the numbers can also be a little inflated too, which kind of, it kind of works against the offense in general because you're like, all right, well, you have all these extra chances. You're not taking advantage of all of them because your numbers should be even higher then. And so the numbers you do have, it's based on a larger sample size because your defense has been so good at taking the ball away, which like I said, doesn't really bode well for Etsy. Yeah. I mean, that is something. Or, but, or uh, Justin for that matter. Or Justin. Uh, but I will say the people who love Justin Fields are the fantasy enthusiasts. And I want to let everybody know that the easiest way to play fantasy football is with underdog fantasy. It's simple and easy to get started. Go to underdogfantasy.com or better yet, download the underdog fantasy app. And for every first time user, sign up. Your initial deposit will be matched by underdog up to $100. And now is the right time. It's the absolute best time to start playing fantasy football. If your traditional fantasy season is over, you lost out, you made some bad picks, you suffered through a bad year. Well, now you can hit the reset button here, like we've been arguing about with the Chicago Bears. You can do this in fantasy football by going to Underdog Fantasy, signing up, getting that initial deposit match, and you can go out there and play some some uh, over-unders. You can play some pick-ems. There's a lot of cool, fun contests, stuff that you haven't even thought of. Uh, go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Get started today in your uh, fantasy football season as it restarts because it's the fantasy playoffs for a lot of people. All right, Sammy, how about another question? Who else is out there? Who wants to join the show? Ask her if JF1 is the best one or two players on the field every game. No, he's not. He's not. He's not one of the best. He's not one of the best three players on the in in the in the on the field in the game. It's it's DJ Moore. Uh, it's Montez Sweat. It's Jalen Johnson. Uh, at times, it's Kyler Gordon or Jaquan Brisker. Um, it, at, at some points, it's even like Cole Komet, who's now getting he's blocking and he's doing really really well as far as his maturation in the past in the receiving game. Um, I, no, I don't think Justin Fields, and I like, I'm sure that you and I disagree on this, but he is yeah. not one of the top two players on the team at any given week to me at all. I would, I would, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly. I, first of all, uh, Kirk cousins is out, so I'm not going to include this on him. I think he's the best quarterback in the division. Uh, I thought he was a, he's a better quarterback than Jared. Oh, Goff. but you gave me so much 
rap about it earlier in the season. When, when I said that JF1 was the best quarterback in the division? You just, uh, for, for me saying that I would take, at the beginning of the season, I said I would take Kirk Cousins, like he's the best quarterback in the NFC North. Well, I'm just and, taking him, I'm taking him out of the discussion because he's not playing anyway, so it's not fair. Um, but if you're talking about long-term, like, I don't know, Cousins is fine. Um, but again, well, like Kirk, injured Kirk, and on the wrong side of 35 and all that. Exactly. Anyway. Like it, it changes it a little bit. Plus he also benefited from having Justin Jefferson with him too. Mm-hmm. And I think that you see, like, it's, it's not fair to be like, well, Justin needs players. Like everybody needs players. I think I, but I, every time that they go out on the field, I think Justin Fields is one of the best. And I think that his escapability is unmatched. He can do things that a lot of quarterbacks can't do. And, you know, I have a friend of mine who is usually in the comments here who is always talking about like running quarterbacks, never win Super Bowls. And I'm like, what about John Elway and Steve Young? He's like, but they threw the ball. I'm like, but they had the ability to run the football. I think that if Justin has, and I go again, like when you're talking about Steve Young won a Super Bowl um, and they're like, well, he threw like, well, he had Jerry Rice also like, like it's, it's one of those things in every what, Yeah, of course, a quarterback would need help. You don't want him to have to go out there and do everything, but I don't think it should be a detriment that he can run. But I think that every time that they take the field, Justin Fields is one of the best players out there. And if, if he's not, a lot of that to me would point to the coaching staff. Like why, why are, why is he not one of the best? Like he clearly is. And I, I think that his, his pocket press is his passing, you know, going back to his time at Ohio state, He's shown that he can throw the football. He can be accurate. I think he can run. He could do a lot of different things. I I truly believe he's one of the best. So I can't. I, we can't factor in what he did in college. Like Ohio enough. State is one of the Ohio State is one enough. of the best programs in the NCAA. Fair enough. Here's my here's my thing: is is he one of the best athletes on the field? Absolutely. Is he one of? The, but there's a differentiation there. Best athletes and best players are two different things to me, and I don't fault running quarterbacks either. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the most amazing players in the entire league. He's so deserving of the MVP a few years ago. He's probably deserving of the MVP this year. Yeah. But I, so that's I'm, there's not a running quarterback bias here either. But okay. as far as best players, especially when you take into account what they're able to do for those around them, which is my biggest thing. Yeah. DJ Moore is making up for some of the things that like Luke Getze, the, the, the screens that he's calling. Like I said, DJ Moore is up there as far as yeah, like yards after the catch go because he's taking these screens and he's doing something with it, which is making everyone around him better. He's also catching balls that maybe weren't completely on target. His catch radius, he plays much bigger than he is. Montez Sweat, we don't need to go into all of the things that he's been able to do for this defense and the ripple effect that he's had. He has made everyone better. And that's my barometer for who was the best player on the field. And I think that Justin Fields takes more help than he gives. That's 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 how I see it. No, I still listen. If you have a race, if you have somebody in a Ferrari and he's in a race against somebody on a 10 speed and if the 10 speeds beating that Ferrari, you don't blame the Ferrari. You blame the person who's operating it. So for me, it comes again. You have Justin Fields. He is one of the best players on the field every time he steps out there. If you're not creating opportunities for him to be out there to be successful, then I question you more than I question the player. So I think that I'm firmly in the camp. Obviously, I got the JF1 on. Uh, I think he, he is the guy. I've seen enough. I've made my decision. I'm give, I'm passing him on to the next round. You might not. This is. I wish this was like the voice 
where it's just like, okay, fine. You pick another singer. I'm going to take this guy. Uh, we're going to go out and do our competitions. <laughs> Are there any more though questions though, Sammy? As uh, I'm going to look for one more. By the way, I want to point out, I want to give a shout out to all my students at Chapman University. Uh, I'm heading out tonight. It is uh, it is the finals night. Uh, they're going to do their Ooh. final project. Yeah, so I'm so excited. They've done such a good job. I hope that they let me go out there and show their final project. I don't. I need their. Um, I need their uh, permission. Need their, uh, permission. Yeah. Uh, should we reset the cornerback market to pay Johnson? We have money to do it. You know, I know there was a rumor. I'm curious what you think. I know there was somebody that I'd never heard of who was floating out a rumor that the Bears were working on a deal with uh, with with Jalen Johnson that was uh, disputed by a lot of reputable people. Um, I don't know what the truth is to that, but I don't know. Like, would they have to reset the cornerback market for Jalen Johnson? Could they get away with making him one of the top seven highest paid corners? Or what, what do we think? I think that's exactly what the Bears want to do. And I think Jalen Johnson's like, no, reset the market for me. I know he said he doesn't want that, but there's not a cornerback out there that doesn't think that he's the best corner in the league. I mean, you just have to have that mentality to play that position. And I totally understand that. I get it. But when push comes to shove in these contract negotiations, I think the Bears absolutely will pay him like a top 10 corner top. Like when the whole, when he requested the trade and everything, I went down the list of like the top corners and I was like, would I take Jalen over this guy? Would I take Jalen over this guy? And I got five, six, seven guys down before I was definitely like, yes, Jalen Johnson definitely needs to be ahead of this guy. Yeah. So I think that's totally fair. But to reset the market, also, the Bears don't have unlimited uh, cap space anymore. Like, especially after this Montez Sweat deal, they now rank, I think, sixth or seventh in the league in cap space. They only they have just over 60 million. Yeah. So you don't have the hundred million dollars that everybody was talking about earlier in the season right. because of the Montez sweat deal, which obviously has shown that it's probably going to be worth it. But at the same time, you can't afford the luxury of resetting the market at other positions. At this point, you don't have enough funds for that, especially if you keep Justin Fields and you know that his salary is going to be on your books in two years. Right. Of That's million. You need to get creative. Listen, the Dodgers have shown the way. I, if only the NFL would come out like the way Major League Baseball did, and like, don't worry, Dodgers, we'll have, we'll have, we'll, we'll let you re. By the way, and I don't listen. I can say this because I know there's a lot of Cubs fans, uh, maybe four White Sox fans who are like, why didn't we get Otani? Uh, MLB made him go to the Dodgers. There, there's a reason why the Dodgers can break all the rules with him because the MLB is like, you got to stay there because you know. I'll tell you this right now. I'm firmly convinced talking to people, but firmly convinced that he wanted to go to Toronto and major league baseball is like, no, you're our best stars. Like major league, like MLB is not like the NFL. Like you can have your best stars in the NFL play in green Bay. They can play in Kansas city, Buffalo. Your league is still fine. It doesn't matter. Like they just took some random Italian dude, slapped him into New York. And now he's the biggest sensation in the world. Baseball does not operate that way you cannot survive and they they tried it with the secondary la team and it didn't work enough so they're like you have to go to the dodgers sorry sorry about that everybody um, well and i mean the dodgers are also they like baseball doesn't have a hard cap so their dodgers have shown time and time again that they are willing to spend whatever it takes they're guggenheim they're go yes way over the luxury tax uh and they're, they're willing to pay whatever in luxury tax i should say they should have um, just got, they don't have to, but they don't have to pay the luxury tax because major league baseball is like, no, 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 you can defer it till 12 years, 10 years from now, 
when we might not even be alive. Like who knows? Does we, it go? Does it go on their books then after the ten years? Like when they when the sixteen million dollars uh, kicks in, does that count against their cap then? You you would think that in that whatever the year is, what is does anybody know? What 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 would it be? So it'd be twenty thirty three, thirty four. Yeah. So like in twenty thirty four, the Dodgers should have to pay like the most astronomical salary tax like sort of thing. But you know. If we're all alive to see this, there's no way they pay it. Don't, somehow the angels. I know they're going to gonna figure out a way around. I just don't understand the. This is completely diverging from the Bears, but like I don't understand the uh, motivation behind Anotani's part because you're not getting like like that money that you're deferring. Like you're not getting oh. any more adjusting um, for inflation or anything okay. in ten years. Um, Otani's still getting the money. No, I, he's getting the money. No, I'm, I'm saying no, but no, 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 for inflation. Like, well, he gets he gets paid by in the investments. time. He gets paid yes. in endorsements in other ways. But salary-wise, by the time he starts making $68 million a year, that's going to be the going rate. Like, and also, like, now you're not, your money isn't, like, is that money going into some sort of, like, high-yield no. savings account and trust where it's, like, keeping up with inflation? I just, I don't, would, I, I don't understand the economics behind it. We I'm would not need, an economics person, but it doesn't make sense to me. We would need Tommy DeVito's agent to come explain this to us but oh, i'm just going to tell you that it's going to be uh it's probably illegal and uh if the securities okay. and trade commission went down and investigated they'd probably be like how is this what are you guys doing uh but listen congratulations to mlb you got what you wanted uh the nfl is different we can't do that uh but anyways i digress but that was that was acceptable because i know a lot of people in chicago wanted to see Antani in Chicago. believe me as an angels fan i was like go to the cubs like please that would have been all i could have just i would just would have probably i just would well, have had you, a, i would have had a national league the Ameri- you got him out of the american league i was gonna say as long he's, as, not, he's still in the national league now honestly seattle would have been worse but the dodgers are just equally as bad but in any event we've we've digressed enough by the way i want to let everybody know uh today's uh this week's game chicago uh, on the road at Cleveland. If you're not going up to Cleveland to watch the game, might I suggest going to Game Room Chicago, located inside the historic Chicago Athletic Association Hotel. It features billiards, shuffleball, skiboard, papa shot, and so much more. And it has plenty of room to watch your favorite game, to watch Justin Fields go out there and beat the Cleveland Browns. And with a menu featuring Michelin-starred chef Mari Katsumura snack foods, there are beer towers, shareable signature cocktails, a weekend Bloody Mary bar, and so much more. Game Room Chicago is the place to be for Bears games, especially when they're on the road. But if you want to go there before a Bears game, I think that would also be appropriate. I don't know what time it opens in the morning, but it probably is open. I don't know. I don't know how all of you in the Midwest and the East Coast deal with like going six hours before a football game starts. I would be going crazy. I mean, um, football games start later here, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, what do you guys do? Like, you wake up in the morning and there's not a football game on. Like, what yeah, happened? Yeah, you go drink. Yeah, like, drink. what is happening? That's why bars I like open, to... Bars open real early on, on college football Saturdays yeah. and, and NFL Sundays. They open real early. It's oh, the best, the best out here is, like, when there's, like, uh, big-time World Cup games and the bars got to open at 6 a.m. Like, yeah, we're here at the Reno room. Let's get crazy. Uh, let's see. Is there one more question, though, before we wrap this up? Uh, by the way, I know the time's flying. What are the chances of the Bears making the playoffs? Great. All they got to do is win out and have four other teams lose a bunch of games. But have you seen the teams? The teams aren't good. I, I think, like, I, 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 I'll I, say this. Last year, 
the Detroit Lions, and Tyler's talked about this. Justin Fields talked about this. They wanted to be kind of like the Lions of this year. The Bears could win out, and if they do, their final game will be in Green Bay, and it would probably keep the Packers out of the playoffs like the Lions did last year. Oh, that was that was awesome. Like last, was. like last week, they were running with that Matt LaFleur, like Matt LaFleur undefeated in December. And I'm like, December. How, I'm like, how is that possible? They lost to the Lions. I'm like, damn it, it's January. It was in January. This it was in January. Whenever I, know, I was there, it was amazing. Whenever you try, whenever you do something disingenuous like that, it will immediately bite you in the keister. And that's exactly what happened. You tried to get that one past this LaFleur and your little manicured eyebrows, but nope, karma caught up to you and uh, you guys lost. Uh, but uh, yeah, what do you think? I, like, what, I, get that, I get that the Bears are technically in the hunt and they're one game back, but you're also like, technically. You've, got two, you've got two division opponents to go through. Wait. And... Not only do you have Wait. that, you have two teams in the NFC West that are playing decently well. There, there's been some ups and downs between the Rams and the Seahawks, but like all oh. of those teams would have to just completely, like you're you're not in control of your own playoff hopes at this point. And yeah. they also like Green Bay. What they have Tampa Bay this weekend. They have Carolina, Minnesota, and then Chicago. So that's so like a decently three and one. Yeah, and then Minnesota one. has Cincinnati hard, Detroit Lost. hard, Green Bay Lost. possibly hard, Detroit. Lost. So like Minnesota, I can yeah. give you, especially oh, because Nick Mullins is now quarterback and you don't know what that's going to look like. And even though yeah. their defense is playing out of their minds, I can give you that the Minnesota Vikings are probably not going to be an issue. Oh, and four. The Green okay. Bay Packers are going to be. Three and the one. Seattle yeah. Seahawks are going to be. No. The Los Angeles Seattle's, Rams are going to be. Seattle's garbage. The Rams are good. Um and Atlanta is in their division hunt. So I think, yeah, it's going to be I difficult. Don't count any, I'm not counting any of the NFC South. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be difficult because they're yeah. the losing record. I love the Buccaneers. You know how much I love those guys over there, but I know I'll be the first to tell you. Uh, not a great, <laughs> not a great squad. Six and uh, yeah, it happens. Okay. So what do you got going on this weekend? Where, where are they sending you? And will they score more than three points? Um, I will actually be around for the Gronk uh, Gronk hosted LA Bowl, which is real exciting this weekend. So I'm actually not. I'm, I, I will be paying attention to the NFC North games from afar, but I will be hanging out uh, in in LA to around all of the festivities for the Gronk hosted LA Bowl. Wonderful! That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And want and let I'll let everybody know that I will be out. There's some NFL show that's on some NFL digital channel that I do now in the mornings on Sundays. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you find it. I don't know where you would ever find it. Uh, I've it's asked people. To promo. I don't know. I don't know how you find it. I don't know. Listen, follow Andrew Siciliano or Steve Weich on Twitter because somehow they have the links to it. It might be on our YouTube page. Not this one, but like a different one. I don't know. I don't know. I was on there with Leslie Frazier and uh, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, and so I was quizzing the guys. I'm like, do you guys know that Leslie Frazier was an 85 bear? And uh, nothing. These guys are like, Rrr? and I'm like, yeah, like he was on one of the most legendary teams, if not the greatest football team of all time, but whatever. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But after that, I will be at Rip Beer Company in Southern California. We were there uh, over the weekend for my birthday. We had a great time. Thanks to everybody who came out. We had a nice crowd there. The crowds are starting to swell again. There's, there's optimism. So, and if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns, you want to come by, please do. It'll be a lot of fun. 
we uh we enjoy the like I feel a lot of kinship with the Cleveland fans. There's a lot of similarities. So there are. So we'll, we'll be we'll be enemies this week, but we'll go back to reading. And by the way, for all the Cleveland Browns fans, I understand that I underestimated you during the preseason. I like you now that you have Joe Flacco as your quarterback, and I'm rooting for after this week. I will be rooting. I don't have for to feel you. bad about rooting for the Cleveland Browns. Though. I don't know. I can do it now. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back yeah. on board with the Brownies. But in any event, I uh, want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, for Carmen, I'm Adam. Enjoy the games. Sammy, play us out and bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.